0: Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental
2: guidance recommended.
1: The Mysteries of Dr. John Thorndike. Thorndike is the original fictional forensic detective from the early 1900s. Using science to aid the art of detection. To bring criminals to justice. This time, presenting The Funeral Pyre. Written by R. Austin Freeman. Adapted
0: for radio by Heather Elliott. Evening, Thorndike. I have brought you the late paper. Not that you'll read it. <laughs> well, I
3: appreciate the sentiment, but I question your motive. Newspapers are filled with sensationalized rubbish. Uh, what made you pick it up?
0: Horrible discovery near Dartford...
3: Exactly my point. So, what is this discovery?
0: About two o'clock this morning, a rural constable saw a farmer's stack of wood on fire. Since there was no danger of its spreading, and it was a loss already, the farmer agreed to let it burn out. At eight o'clock, the constable returned to check on the fire. And, um, he found human remains? Yes. How did you know?
3: (laughs) It wouldn't be an horrible discovery if it were a dead rabbit out, would it, Jervis? Uh
0: body was completely burned away, leaving only calcined bones.
3: Was there anything to identify the body?
0: A stumpy clay pipe with initials. It's assumed some tramp climbed up the ladder and made himself a bed with the hay the farmer used to cover the wood. Probably fell asleep with the pipe in his mouth and burned to death. Suffocated first by the smoke. A reasonable explanation. Quite probable.
3: I can see any one of three conceivable causes for a death like this. Oh. Accident. Suicide or homicide.
0: I expect we can exclude suicide. It's difficult to imagine a person intentionally roasting himself. Well, for a
3: good enough reason he might. Suppose he took the poison first, knowing the flames would destroy any evidence. But that's all speculation.
0: Hmm. But fire?
3: Suppose he took poison first, knowing the flames would destroy any evidence, but that's all speculation.
0: Well, then you'd like the paper tomorrow morning?
3: No, but I am curious to see if there are any further developments.
0: The newspaper has another report on the death. Ah, anything interesting? Quite. They found the melted remains of a watch made of alternating gold and platinum links. Keys, partially fused together. A small crystal, apparently from a ring. And a number of artificial teeth. I'm not surprised with that. Uh, The composition of artificial
3: teeth is specifically designed to withstand great wear and tear.
0: That's not the unusual part. The loose teeth were found with the remains... But an upper dental plate was discovered in a ditch some 200 yards away from the woodpile. The plate has two gaps, which the police surgeon found corresponded with the two groups of remaining teeth in the skull. Hmm. What do you make of that, Jules? I will admit I scoffed at your suggestion yesterday of fraudulent suicide, but today it's looking more probable. Suppose he did take poison as he was approaching the woodpile, and the nature of it made him cough. Wretch! Oh,
3: there are still other possibilities. It's it's early yet. Once the victim is identified, more information will come to light. But for now, old friend, we must put that out of our minds and go about our work. It seems we have company. Who? Up ahead, pacing like a caged tiger outside our door. If I'm not mistaken, that's Mr. Stalker of the Griffin Life Assurance Company. I don't recall ever meeting him.
4: Doctor Thorndike? Ah, just the man I wanted to see. Won't take more than just a few minutes to discuss.
3: Of course. uh, My
4: associate, Dr. Christopher Jervis. Pleased to meet you, Doctor. Now, you've heard about the man whose remains were found in that burned-out woodpile. It turns out he was an outside broker and a client of ours.
0: They've identified the remains?
4: Ah, Yes, just this afternoon. We've been in court all day. Mr. Reed has a life insurance policy for 3,000 pounds? And when was it issued? Less than a year ago, as a single premium. So we stand to drop practically the whole 3,000. So what is it you want to consult with me about? Isn't there something obviously fishy about the case? How the devil did a respectable city gentleman come to be smoking a pipe on top of a woodpile in the country? At two in the morning. I do agree. The
3: circumstances are highly abnormal, but there's no doubt the man's dead. He's extremely dead.
4: What point are you trying to raise? (laughs) I'm not trying to raise any point. We would like you to attend the inquest and watch the case for us. Of course, in our policies, suicide is expressly ruled out. And if this should turn out to be such... What is there to suggest that it was? What does this suggest that it wasn't? There's no use in discussing the matter when we know so little. I leave the case in your hands. Can you attend the request?
3: I shall make it my business to do so. Keep an eye out for an official who can give us directions, will you? Oh, ticket clock might No, The window's open. Good morning, ma'am.
5: Destination.
3: We've just arrived. Uh, would you give us directions to the site where the man was found burned in the woodpile?
5: Reporters, are you? Uh, d- definitely not. Police? No. Huh. Take the footpath to Joyce Green and turn off towards the creek opposite Temple Farm. Thank you. You're not the first to ask. Whole parade of reporters gone down already. Handful of police, too.
3: Thank you, ma'am. Could you point out the location on this map for me?
5: A local ordinance map? Who are you? Train station is here. River there. Temple Farm. And there's the footpath. The woodpile was about here, a few yards from that dike. Uh,
3: We're much obliged. Have a good morning, ma'am. Our Mr. Stalker's question was not unreasonable. This road leads nowhere but the river.
0: It does make me wonder what a city man might be doing out here in the marshes in the small hours of the morning.
3: Looks like that cluster of people ahead is our objective.
0: What is that? A shepherd's hut?
3: Uh, too large for that. It looks to be a contractor's trailer, and the men are armed with shovels and sieves. Uh, they must be searching through the ashes for any other clues.
6: Morning, gentlemen. Please keep back from the scene, please.
3: Thank you. Uh, are you the police inspector in charge? I am. Doctors Thorndyke and Jervis from London. We're here on behalf of the Griffin Assurance Company.
6: Yes, I got a cable this morning from Mr. Stalker saying you might stop in. I trust we'll have the necessary permission to look around? Certainly. And if you can spot anything we've overlooked, you're welcome to bring it to our attention. It's all for the public good. Is there anything in particular you want to see? Everything that has been recovered so far. uh, The remains of the body have been removed, I suppose. Yes. uh, I have the effects here in the trailer. A portable office. We haven't come across anything new for the past hour or so. Everything is laid out neatly on white paper on the table.
3: I appreciate the attention to preventing contamination of the scene.
6: Is
0: there anything here that hasn't been reported in the paper? I see the pipes, keys, platinum chain links, watch crystal, teeth and dental plate. No, doctor.
6: Nothing
3: else. Uh, Since the body is not here, I'd like to take a cast of the plate and a wax impression of the loose
6: teeth. Is there any objection to that? Will it damage the evidence? No, no, not at all. Is it important? Uh, might be. Well, that sounds all right by me. You won't mind my looking on while you do it. Uh, Of course not. Why should I? I thought perhaps your methods were sort of a trade secret.
3: (laughs) Uh, The people with trade secrets are those who make profound mysteries of a process so simple a child could do it once shown how.
0: I'll get the supplies set up. Uh,
3: Thank
6: you. Now, Inspector, tell me all you know of the case. Precious little, I'm afraid. I'm merely to examine the site and report back my findings to the police coroner. It appears the investigation on this case is to be done from headquarters.
0: And there we have it. A perfect replica of the dental plate made from plaster.
6: Why? Except for the color, you couldn't tell one from the other. But all the same, I don't quite see what you want it for.
3: I want to compare it to the skull if I have time. Uh, Since I can't take the original dental plate, I need a
6: copy. We know the dental plate belonged to Reginald Reed... It was found within conspicuous distance of his remains.
3: All the same. I I do like to be certain. What will you do
0: with your copies? They'll be tucked safely away in my research case. The newspaper said the plate was some
6: 200 yards away. Uh, Can you show us where? If you look out the door, you can see the place from here, just by that gate at the crossing of the ditch. Thank you, Inspector.
3: I think we'll walk down and
6: have a look around.
0: Thorndyke, what is in that pile of things you picked up from the ashes?
3: Iron boot protectors. I found eight. I'm not sure of their relevance, but I made a cast of them anyway. You will notice, Jervis, that this denture was picked up a spot beyond the wood pile. Father from town, you mean? Yes. If it does belong to Reed, he must have dropped it while he was approaching the pile from the direction of the river. It will be worthwhile to see where he came from.
0: I'm still bothered by him dropping the dentures. It must have happened when he took the poison. Uh, assuming he really did poison himself. But I would expect he would wait until he was closer to the woodpile before doing that. Uh,
3: we'd better not make too many assumptions while we have so few facts.
0: Where have you put the old man's map? I want to orient myself to the area.
3: We are here. This gate blocks a bridge across the drainage dike, and, and the dike opens up into the
0: creek about uh, three-quarters of a mile further down. The question is, did Reed come through the gate... Or was he only passing by it? The probability
3: is that if he came up from the river across the marshes, he would be on this side of the ditch and pass by the gate. And We'd better try both sides to be sure. You'd say we're what, 150 yards from the gate? Mm, about
0: that, yes.
3: Let's see the boot prints you found along the creek.
0: Much of the path was covered with grass, but right here is a patch of dirt with an ant mound. And you know, on that is a clear impression of the heel of a boot protector, like the one you pulled from the ashes in the police trailer.
3: Well, it's not very conclusive, seeing that so many people use boot protectors, but it probably is Reed's footprint. Let's go on further.
0: Now you look at that—a section of path covered with mostly dried mud and dozens of footprints. Looks like a parade came through here.
3: <laughs> You're not far off. Sheep. But it looks to me that all of the human footprints were produced by only two pair of feet. Well, this seems to raise an entirely new issue. It does. We must proceed cautiously. Here are two sets of footprints. One apparently belonging to Reginald Reed, based on the use of boot protectors. The other prints were made by the someone who we'll call X, who wore boots or shoes with rubber soles and heels. We need to compare these prints with the cast you made of the boot protectors.
0: Excellent. You do that, and I'll keep looking. And the boot protectors appear to be the same. I thought we ought to take plaster casts of them.
3: Excellent idea. You do that, and I'll make a careful drawing of the whole group to show the order of imposition.
0: How are those guests? Filled and waiting to set. Have they you finished your sketch? Yes, there
3: are four lines of footprints and a set of sheep tracks. Sheep are marked in red. Uh, yes, the, the first tracks made are colored with blue and belong to our person X who was headed toward the river. The next are the sheep. You can see they've trodden in X's footprints. Well, sheep came through only once. After the sheep, Reed came along, alone, and headed toward the river.
0: Oh, I can see he stepped in both X's prints and the sheep tracks.
3: Then we have both men coming back together. Their tracks are parallel, and neither treads into the prints of the other.
0: Were they drunk? That is a very unsteady line they
3: walked. Impossible to confirm without further information. The final tracks belong to person X, returning to the river.
0: What is that mark on the side? Yeah, that's also person X. It would seem he turned off toward the gate. I think I see the whole picture. X comes along through here alone, followed later by Reed. Both return together, apparently the worse for drink. Yes,
3: well. That's the last we see of Reed.
0: Next, X comes back towards the river. Walking quite steadily, you'll notice. So, not the worst for
3: drink. Interesting. Then still later, X returns, but for some reason he crosses the ditch at the gate, apparently to get on the road, though you can see by the map that taking the road is a much longer way into town.
0: He could have been avoiding something.
3: Or someone. I think we'd better get on and... See if we can discover the point from
0: which these men came and left. Did you notice up ahead what looks to be the mast of a small boat standing above the marshes? Yes, it could be a possible meeting spot. it seems that our possibility has become a probability. The mast belongs to a small yacht with the name Moonbeam, freshly painted on the bow quite a number of footprints in the bare earth. They look to belong to both Reed and X. I wonder which one of them was the owner of the boat? Oh, I I think it's pretty obvious that X was the owner, if
3: either of them were. He came to the yacht alone, and he wore rubber-soled shoes. Reed came while the other man was there, iron boot protectors, which no yacht owner would do if he had any respect for his deck planks. two cups of
0: paint, it appears that they may have been painting the woodwork while they were here together. It'd be interesting to have a look inside.
3: Instructor, perhaps. It would be flagrant trespass, to put it mildly. Uh, we needn't be excessively concerned with minor details in regards to the leaked position of it. You have fewer glasses, Jervis, and if you keep an observant eye around the vicinity, a brief look might be had, and none the worse for it. You're going to pick the lock, Orange. Shh. Make a thorough search of the area. I'll be back in a week. There wasn't much to see inside the yacht, but what we did find is enlightening. One
0: bunk obviously slept in, and the other without bedding and sat upon by a second person.
3: Absolute squalor everywhere around the cabin. Paint and unwashed paintbrushes. Two open whiskey bottles.
0: One empty, the other half empty. Two tumblers. Playing cards strewn face-up and evidently derived from two decks candles for light?
3: It's easy to see there was an evening of drinking and gambling aboard this shop.
0: Did you lock the padlock when you left?
3: Naturally, though it doesn't matter much since you took photographs of the interior of the cabin.
0: At your request?
3: One thing is
0: clear. Oh?
3: This case now strongly suggests homicide. There seems to be a
0: strong suggestion of premeditation as well. I'm curious to see your logic, Jervis. I take it that our person X, the owner of the yacht, enticed Reed out here possibly under the guise of preparing the boat for a short cruise. They worked on repainting while daylight lasted, then spent the evening drinking and gambling. I would agree so far. The fact that they used two packs of cards suggests that they played for pretty heavy stakes. I think Reed became drunk and X offered to see him home. Fair
3: enough. X was not drunk, seeing as how his tracks were steady and straight upon his return to the yacht.
0: I should say the actual murder took place just after they had gotten over the gate. That Reed's false teeth came out while his body was being dragged to the woodpile. This would not be noticed by X, owning to the darkness. Huh. What then? He puts the body on the woodpile and sets it ablaze, and made off back to the yard. In the morning, he heads back to town along the road to steer clear of the burned-out woodpile.
3: That does seem to be the interpretation of the facts. All that remains now is to give a name to Person X, and I should think that will present no difficulties.
0: Proposing to examine the remains at the mortuary?
3: No. It would be interesting, but not necessary. Our concern now is not Reed, but X. We'd better get back to London.
0: Newspaper has another report on the Reed case. Anything of interest? Actually, yes. It seems Reed was a member of the firm Reed and John outside brokers, and now it's come to light that his business partner, Walter Jarman, is also missing. Is that so? No one has been to the office this week, but the caretaker states that on Monday evening at about 8 o'clock, he saw Mr. Jarman let himself into the office with his key.
3: And the burning wood pile was discovered at 2 Monday morning. Go on, Charles.
0: It appears that three checks payable to the firm and endorsed by Jarman were paid into the bank. And which bank? bank? Fatmores. They came by the first post Tuesday morning. It also states that Tuesday morning, Jarman purchased a parcel of diamonds just over a thousand pounds in value from a diamond merchant in Hatton Garden, who accepted a check as payment after telephoning the bank. Then what is
3: the concern with the checks?
0: It appears that Reed and Jarman visited the bank together the previous Saturday morning and withdrew in cash nearly the entire balance of the business account. They left thirty-two pounds at the bank.
3: What of the other two checks?
0: The balance of the two checks John deposited equaled the total of the check he paid to the merchant.
3: I expect there will be some interesting disclosures at the inquest in any case. And does the paper give the date for that?
0: Yes. The day after tomorrow, in Dartford. I assume the identity of Person X is no longer a mystery. They likely agreed to liquidate the business account. Then they spent the night gambling it between them. Reed appears to be the winner, since he's the one who turned dead.
3: True. Uh, assuming that X is Jarmy, which is probable, but not certain. I think we'd better stop by Scotland Yard on our way home and make sure the information on the paper is correct.
0: Fortune favors us, Thorndike.
5: Superintendent. Woodpile case?
0: Yes, that's
3: correct. Naturally, Your Honor. We've come around to verify the facts given in the evening paper. Have you seen the official report?
5: Yes, and you can take everything from the paper as correct. Anything else?
3: I'd like to look over a series of checks drawn by Reed and Jarman's firm. Of course you do. The last two aren't accessible, I suppose.
5: No, they're at the bank. We can't inspect them without an order from the court. Any others that might be in the firm office? I think you can see those. Are you headed there now? Yes, we are. I'll come along if you like and have a look around myself. Our people are in possession of the office. I've informed the sergeant at the door that you are allowed access to the premise should you need to return. Looks like
0: your men have turned this place over pretty well. I think every cabinet and drawer is open. Was the office thoroughly searched?
5: Yes. I asked about return checks and the sergeant said they found lots of them. The checks are all on the desk. Ah, these here? Yes. There you are, Doctor. I don't know what you want to find out, but I expect you will. I'll have a sit while you puzzle it out. (laughs) I'm
3: afraid it won't be an entertaining show. Call it educational. What do you hope to
0: find out with the checks?
3: A cursory glance shows the two men appear to have mixed their private affairs with the business account. Why do you think that? Here, for instance, a check drawn by Reed for the Picardy Wine Company. But this company could hardly have been a client of theirs. Jarman's check for the secretary of the St. John's nursing home is unlikely to be a client either. I suppose if money was tight? Unlikely. There are two other checks written out for professional men, and all four in question have been written for an even amount of guineas, whereas the business checks are in uneven amounts of pounds, shillings, and
5: pence. Let me see those checks. Yeah, here they are. I think you're right. They carried out their business in a very casual manner. Just look at those signatures. Never twice alike. The bank hates that sort of thing. The man who varies his signature is asking for trouble.
3: Well, I'm very much obliged, Miller. Seen all you wanted? Yes, thank you so much.
5: I should like to know what you have seen.
3: I don't see how the checks are important to the case. They're not. Not directly, at least. They do help us understand the character of these two men and their relations with each other.
5: And that's important?
3: I believe it may be very important when we come to the inquest. Thank you. The witness may take a seat. That is a very important fact, Jervis. What is... The local dentist testifying that the dental plate belongs to the deceased, without a doubt. It's an indispensable link in the chain.
0: Surely that was obvious.
3: In no doubt, but now it's proved and in evidence.
7: The court is ready for the next witness. Mr. Arthur Gerard. please approach the bench. Yes, sir. Now, Mr. Gerard, it was on your information that the identity of the deceased was
2: established. Yes. I saw in the papers the description of the items found in the ashes of the woodpile and recognize them as Reed's. Uh, please explain. I knew the deceased quite well, and had often seen his peculiar watch chain, and the crystal on the watch. His clay pipe had his initials in it, and I knew he wore false teeth. Hmm, did you meet him frequently? Oh yes! For more than a year we were business partners, and remained friends after I dissolved the partnership. Oh,
7: why did you dissolve the partnership?
2: I had to. Reed gambled in stocks, and I had to pay his losses. I lent him a total of over 2,000 pounds over that time. He was never able to pay it all back, so when we dissolved the partnership, I got him to insure his life for 3,000 pounds. We drew up a document stating the debt he owed me was to be the first thing paid by his estate should he die.
7: Have you any reason to suppose that he contemplated suicide?
2: None whatever. After our business partnership ended, he entered a partnership with Walter Jarman. Reed seemed happy and content whenever I encountered him, Although he was still gambling. Hmm. When did you see Mr. Reed last? That would be... a week ago today. He told me about a short yacht trip he and Jarman were going to take in Jarman's boat. I wished him well. I didn't think that would be the last I'd see him alive.
7: Thank you. That is all, Mr. Gerard. Uh, permission to cross-examine? Granted, Dr.
3: Thorndyke. Mr. Gerard, you spoke of a yacht. Do you know what her name is and where she's been kept lately?
2: She's called Moonbeam. I believe Jarman kept her somewhere in the Thames, but I don't know
3: where. About Jarman, what do you know of him as to his character, for instance?
2: Oh, I knew him only slightly. He appeared to be rather indulgent. Drank a good deal, I should say. And I think he was a bit of a gambler also. Do you know if he was a heavy smoker? He didn't smoke at all, but always had snuff on hand.
7: Would Dr. Thorndike like to cross-examine the office building
3: manager? Yes, please. Did you notice anything unusual in Mr. Jarman's appearance when you saw him
4: at the office the previous Monday evening? I couldn't say. I was going up the stairs and I just looked over my shoulder when I heard him. Enter. His face was turned away from me. But you had no difficulty in recognizing him. I'd know him a mile off. He had his overcoat on. Distinct coloring, it was. Light brown with a sort of greenish checkered print. You couldn't possibly mistake it. About how tall was Mr. German? Maybe five feet nine or ten. These
7: details may be useful for the police, Doctor, but they don't concern us. This inquest is regarding the death of Reginald Reed. My questions are in regard to the death of the man whose remains were found in a burned woodpile. But the body has been identified as that of Reginald Reed. Then I submit
3: it has been misidentified. Quiet, please. Quiet. I suggest the body is that of Walter Jarman and I am prepared to produce witnesses who will prove that. We've
7: just heard the evidence of a witness who states they saw Jarman alive 18 hours after the
3: wood was set fire to. I beg your pardon, sir, but what we heard was the witness say they saw Jarman's overcoat and expressly say the wearer's face was hidden. (laughs) That is utterly
7: irreconcilable with the facts. You had better call your witness to the stand and let us dispose of this extraordinary suggestion. Thank you, Mr. Darton. Dr. Thorndike, you may proceed.
0: What is your
3: occupation, Mr. Darton, and how are you acquainted with Walter Jarman?
0: I'm a dental surgeon.
3: A little over two years ago, Walter Jarman was under my care. I extracted some loose teeth from both jaws and made him two denture plates, an upper and a lower. Can you identify those plates? Yes. I have with me the plaster model on which I made those plates. You can see that the top plate fits perfectly into my model, where Mr. Jarman's teeth were missing. The loose teeth found at the site belong to the lower plate. Can you identify that plate? Yes. I'm certain this is the top plate I made for Mr. Jarman last year. Well, this
7: evidence does seem perfectly conclusive. As you appear to know more than anyone else about this case, I suggest you give us an explanation. You'd better make it a sworn statement so it can go in the death position. Of course. I have evidence to give as well.
3: Thank you, Doctor. You may now begin your statement. It struck me upon reading the report of the case that all the items found in the ashes were highly distinctive, had the initials of their owner, and were made of materials practically indestructible by fire. And this alerted you to something unusual? Yes. There was almost a suggestion of the body having been prepared for identification after burning. The moment I saw the dental plate, I knew there were grounds for suspicion. Uh, Explain, please. The plate is clean and polished, but there were clay pipes found with the remains. Now, a man who smokes a clay pipe is not only a heavy smoker, but he also smokes strong and dark colored tobacco. If he wears a dental plate, that plate becomes encrusted with a black deposit. That's very difficult to remove. I see where your suspicion comes in. This plate has no trace of such a deposit. Since the police had determined the plate fit the skull and Reed was a smoker, the plate was not his, which meant the skull was not Reed nor the body. Mm, The watch chain and pipes were Reed. Ah, Conveniently so. It became clear to me the body was intended to be identified as Reed. But why? The life insurance. Someone had 3,000 pounds to gain with Reed dead. Have you formed any opinion
7: as to who that person was? Yes, I have very little doubt that he was Reginald Reed. But we've heard in evidence that it was Arthur Gerard who stood to gain the life insurance money. Precisely. Where is
3: Mr. Gerard? I requested a police inspector to follow him should he leave and to not lose sight of Mr. Gerard. Then
7: I take it you suspect Gerard of being in collusion with Reed? I suspect Arthur Gerard and Reginald Reed are one and the same. What? Where did the building manager go? Here, sir. What do you say? Was that Mister Reed who gave evidence under
4: the name of Gerard? I should say not, unless he was in theatre makeup. Mister Reed was clean-shaven with no distinguishing features and English, but Mister Gerard was Irish, wore a mustache, had a large mole by the side of his mouth, had bushy eyebrows, and wore glasses. Their height, build, and complexion are similar, but that's all. He shot himself.
7: Case dismissed until I can speak with the police. The
1: Mysteries of Dr. John Thorndike, written by R. Austin Freeman, adapted for radio by Heather Elliott. Starring Dave Johnson as Dr. John Thorndike, Roy Nessel as Dr. Christopher Jervis. Also in the cast were Philip Colo Catronas as coroner, Roberto Castaneda as Arthur Gerard, Travis Remy as police inspector, Jim Galan as Superintendent Miller. William Mass as Anthony Stocker Ryan Grote as Building Manager Pete Lutz as Peter Darton and Janine Falk as Ticket Clerk I'm your announcer Ryan Barker Sound Design and Dialogue Editing Jay Charles Directed by Janine Falk Produced by Joseph C. McGuire Recorded in partnership at KSVR Studios in Mount Vernon, Washington with financial support from Kim Abbey members of the RTP Repertory Company and Soundly, the sound effects platform. You can find this and other series at podcastplayhouse.org or wherever you get podcasts. This was a Radio Theater Project presentation.